episode of From Red to Black, a Homicide Life on the Street podcast. I am Joe. This is Daniel. Today we're going to discuss an episode entitled A Model Citizen. It originally aired Friday, 10 p.m. on NBC, November 11, 1994. It was written by Neil Bain, directed by John McNaughton and Tom Fontana, and Jorge Zamacona were involved in writing the story. Quick synopsis, a young man comes into the squad room and after getting their attention, tells the detectives that his brother has been shot. Hamilton is sued by the multiple personality serial killer. He states he violated. That's the only part of this that is like a leftover storyline from that like three-headed episode that or three-parter that starts season three here. Um, But yeah, so like little ripples of that story still kind of coming out. Um, We were talking right immediately after we were watching the kind of like the cold open for this episode where they're talking about Romper Room and like all these old kids. shows. That it felt so like non sequitur. I remember the music. It was so weird to it. It was like this circusy clown yes. music or whatever, yes. which like you know is weird, um, and may, and so like so contrasts how like I guess gruff they were being and remembering this stuff, right? Like Bo, through getting so carried away with that they never said his name, right, right. Um, and but we were, we were saying in, while we were watching, we were like, this isn't even gonna like come back. What could this possibly be about? And I thought the first time they'd done that, had an opening, and you're just like, what did that have to do with it? And, like, I think it was last week's with, uh, what's-his-face, getting all mad over things. Um, What's-his-face? You know what I mean. He got all mad over things, ranting, and and it didn't mean anything. It was like, okay. Yeah. Well, that might be not technically be last week, but we're gonna have to see in the order in which we go with these episodes. Yeah. But yeah, that is it is a weird thing. I wonder now, had does your opinion change of the cold open though, given the content of the episode? No, no, no. no. I mean, I think there's there's something in, and it feels like a very homicide thing at this point to maybe like try to tie some of that stuff in, or that the stories kind of like play off of each other. Um, I wonder if it's. Uh, like there is an element in this episode about kids and violence. That's true. And so they're talking about kind of their own right. childhoods and playing with toys and that's true. The way that the way that they, it's almost in the in that way of the first episode of the season. How is a commentary on what the show is actually doing? Maybe they're commenting on themselves as a TV show, right? They're characters in a TV show talking about TV shows. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that was if that was something. It wasn't until after we kind of went through, I think the whole the whole episode, and I was like, oh well, that Munch storyline kind of ties into that a little bit. There was a definite theme though, I thought, and it was the theme of people letting you down. If you think about it, from Munch to Bayless to Lewis to um, Frank. That's at least four. I could go on. Yeah, right. It was all about being disappointed in what someone else 
did or didn't do. Yeah. Betrayal, too. Betrayal. In some, in the some that was the theme the whole way through. And Bo Felton, too. Yeah. So, definite theme. Yeah. A lot less so than Romper Room or whatever they were, yeah. whatever they were talking about. So, um, yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll kind of start in the beginning um and we'll uh we'll walk through there are a couple of different threads here some of them a little bit meatier than others um i'm thinking specifically the frank storyline kind of drops off in the middle of the episode yeah like it gets it, they cover it a lot in the beginning and then it just sort of disappears to make room for munch's journey in this episode whatever you want to do first is fine well let's talk about the kid who comes in okay kid, the kid who comes in and he's trying to get someone's attention and finally whistles <laughs> And uh, gets everyone's attention, and who's it? Munch goes over and talks to him, right? Yes. And doesn't believe him, right? He's admitting to <laughs> what is he admitting to? He's admitting that it was a pool of blood. Heard shot, thinks his brother got shot. Pool of blood, and like Munch is like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, and it happened earlier that day. And, like, you can kind of tell, like, his story is not checking out. Even within the first 20 seconds of meeting him, he's saying he heard it. He fainted when he saw the blood or whatever. Um, and Munch is, Munch just, like, beat it. Were you surprised at all by Munch's reaction? No. Yeah, me neither. No. Me neither. <laughs> and I wasn't surprised that Kay had to check it out later on in the episode. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's weird. that's Kay. It's weird to see the two of them paired off. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're not usually partners. True. And Bolander and Bo are both in this episode. Uh, but I actually really like the dynamic of the two of them. Yeah, they're good. I think uh, in the ways that so many of these... I, like, I feel with Frank and Tim, you feel like a real yin and the yang. You know, like, one is so new and one is so experienced. And then the way that they kind of, like, interact spiritually with the world, too, kind of feel like character foils of each other. And I feel like there are specific ways in which Kay and Munch play against each other's types. You know, not as directly as Bolander and Munch, maybe. But it was neat to see them uh, no, on the case together. together. Yeah. Um, so uh, Munch tells his kid, beat it, get out of here. And then, <laughs> this is gonna be where it's going to get a little confusing. Because we have this Munch storyline of this case... With Lennox, so let's let's follow that through first. Okay. And then after that, we'll talk about the liquor license okay. and stuff. Um, so they go next to. Okay, convinces him. They're just out in the car together. Right. And she, he says, "What are you doing?" And she says, "I want to check it out." Yeah, let's go. And see they eventually see that weird doctor at the clinic who could not have been an actor, by the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those great Baltimore natives. Yeah, just the local. Yeah, so they talk to him, and he knows exactly what they're talking about. And uh, so then later, I guess they go. They go to the hospital next. I'm trying to think where they go next. Did they go to the hospital? I think you're right. Yeah, but it's not until later in the episode. Munch is is throughout storylines throughout this episode, but not this one entirely. So I think it's later in the episode that they go to the yeah, hospital. They see the mother. Yep. And the two other daughters. Right. And um, yeah, I guess they're slowly like piecing together what happened. They were inside. The mom says she heard a firecracker. Right. And um, so they have established now there is, there's no body. So it's not a homicide case at right. this point. 
An accidental shooting. An accidental shooting. Um, and they they don't have the gun. So that ties into like a weirder thing that happened earlier in the episode with that guy who was in there trying to convince them to start a program that gives toys for yes. guns. Yes. So you're right. There is a kid connection, which I, it kind of gets dropped. Um, but that's interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Because it kind of goes away. But you're right. There's a kid. Starts off kitty. The guy tries to do the dolls for guns. And then it kind of... Yeah, it, it almost feels... And I guess we'll talk about this after we can talk about the episode. But it almost feels like there's parts of other episodes in this one. <laughs> you know, like maybe they started doing one thing and then other storylines just kind of got melded in or whatever. Um, but uh, so they... So they're driving back to the precinct after visiting the hospital. Go ahead. Right? Is that the is that what happens? And then Kay and Mel Kay, Kay and Munch are like, um, uh, Munch is saying he wants to. Was it Munch or was it Kay? Kay's the one that wants to go in, and she was taking him to the alcohol awareness test. Right. Training. Yeah. No, but I, I think he's the one that talks her into... Because she's oh, yeah. driving, right? Yeah. She's driving him to the place, and then she makes that hard right turn. It's like, we're going back. Right. And he's saying, he's like, I want to... I'm not... I don't care about the kids that... The kid that's shot, the kid... Right. The older kid. He's like, the younger... The two girls. The younger kids. I can't get them out of my head, he says. And he's like, those are the ones that I want to make right. this right for. And by the way, the kid never dies, right? No, not right. the episode. So it's yeah. it's really no murder. Right. Now, would, would the homicide department get an attempted homicide? No. Or no. no. Or we'd only go after the body's dead. Right. So, I mean, they shouldn't be doing this anyway. No. no. Um, so they go back to this house. They find the kid. The rest of the family's home now. The two little girls are there. And, like, Munch is, like, screaming at him. Insane. Throwing him around. Rips the shelves out of the drawers. Where's the gun? Give me the gun. Um, and then punches the wall. Punches the hole. Yeah, through the drywall on the way out. And the kid, the brother who did the shooting, makes the sad statement that if, even if you find the gun, big deal. There's 20 other guns. And it's kind of like even Munch gives up at that point. Right. He's like, you know what? Kid's right. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah. And it sort of underscores his point of like, I'm really just there for the two younger kids. Like he right. recognizes this kid's like gone. Gone, right. And like, if he wasn't gone, why would he say that? Like, I can get a gun in here tomorrow if right. I take this one. Um, yeah. Pretty depressing. Yeah, pretty bark. Bleak, bleak storyline. And I think it, uh, so that leads to Munch at the end saying to Kay, he's going to leave. He's done. He's going to hang up his badge as soon as he gets this restaurant right. thing off the ground. Which you know will never happen. Yeah, well, well, we know it will happen. <laughs> but we, well, we know that they'll get the restaurant. Right. He won't stop right. being a cop. Um, yeah, so I guess that's... Is that the full story? I, I, I think that's it. That's Nothing it. else really yeah. happens. But again, I'm intrigued by your putting together the cold opening along with the guy and Munch's 
protection that he wants to give the girls. Yeah. That's a definite And I think there might theme. be one other one that is a bit more of a stretch, but we'll talk about that okay. too as we as we get to it. So the other storyline that involves Munch in this one is going for this alcohol Awareness certification. certification. And um I like <laughs> I mean look, they're playing this whole they're they are so slow rolling out this story of them getting the restaurant. Oh, yeah. They're milking it for everything they can. Um, and this is, uh, you know, he brings it up with Tim earlier in the episode. You got to go to this meeting or whatever. And uh, Tim won't do it. So Munch has to go. And it looks like it is the easiest. I just listen. Yeah, right. Everyone's just sitting there. But and, you knew that Munch would screw it up. Yeah. He can't keep he can't his mouth shut. Up. So he just goes... <laughs> Makes fun of it and three strikes he's out. <laughs> Makes cracks three jokes, and then um, doesn't get the certification. And that's where the episode leaves off, right? Yeah, he yeah. never gets it. No, no. <laughs> In fact, he was suspended for life. Yeah, he's not allowed to go back into right. that class. So I guess Lewis or Bayless is going to have to get that. Yeah. And so this kind of segues into their stories in this episode, which is uh, one of these more, like, fantastic, I would say, like, non-signature homicide-esque love stories of, um, what, he's like, like, love at first sight. He is love-struck. It's almost, it's almost comical. Yeah, right. The way Lewis reacts and... The way Bayless reacts. Yeah. It's almost comical. Why is it... Why are they playing it for jokes? I don't know. Yeah. That's their way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's something that we... I think we talk about less and less on the show, but definitely brought up a lot in the first season, which was how funny the show is. How the, that sense of humor is, like, contrasted with how gritty... The gritty realness and the you know, the dark nature of this show. Um, But, like, this humor is almost, like, absurdist. Yeah. Rather than, like, really tight, you know, jokes or, you know, you you got toilet paper over there, now you got change for a five. You know, like, (laughs) what a great joke. Right. Uh, This love story is, like, so weird. So it's um, Emma Zool, who recreates miniatures. Yeah, for crime scenes. Yeah. For trials. She's working on a case that Corsetti closed, and she meets um, Lewis. Lewis, and he like immediately falls in love with yep. her. Yep, yep. And I guess like they even kind of play a little bit. And she's like a little flirty with him in the beginning, and you're like, all right, well, maybe this is gonna work out for him. But pretty quickly, she tells him, "No." Well, he goes right for it. Yeah, he's like, crazy. Within a, you know an hour of their yeah. meeting or whatever, he's like. Do you believe in love at first sight? I want to take you out to eat or whatever. Right. And then she shoots him down. No, I'm not interested. Uh, and then he's talking to Bo and Tim. And I wrote this down because it was so funny to me. The scene where they're in like the locker room or whatever at the, the precinct um, where Lewis spills his guts for Bo and Tim. Which doesn't feel like... We've never seen Lewis this, like, vulnerable. Like, emotionally open. Um, that that scene starts with Tim walking up to Lewis and saying, Meldrick, what's up, buddy? <laughs> Which is, like... 
this is the most like heavy-handed writing I think I've ever seen on this show. Like the spark of a conversation is, "What's up, buddy?" Like nothing clever. About what made that. me laugh in that scene was that they seem to care for him and be interested, but when they leave, they kind of laugh at the whole thing. Right. So it's like, are they really trying to help, or do they think it's absurd? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I questioned their. How sincere they were. Yeah. It, it feels very bow, right? To like, to your face, be like concerned and trying to coach you along and come across as like, I'm a real expert. I'm a real yeah, ladies. You're man. right. What to do. That's a bow thing. Tim wouldn't care, right? Yeah. I mean, like, Tim, season one, season two, Tim would just be like, hey guys, we got a case. Come on, yeah. quit, quit yeah. horsing around. Let's get back to work. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that was. So then there's this very. Again, like almost absurd, played for a laugh scene of uh, Tim encountering Emma Zool for the first time. And same thing, he is immediately love struck. Right. Um, my only note on that scene when he, when the two of them meet, is how weird it is. Yeah. It was so strange. Um, and then they go back to her place, and her house is strange in many ways one of which is that it's like decorated with crime scenes it looks like it yeah it's like her little models that she's yeah. made decorate the a place a lot of death yeah yeah which you she's know, definitely got some problems yeah so uh and she's proud of her work for sure <laughs> she has it on display but then she reveals that she sleeps in a coffin and they are in the throes of romance and Tim is like not sure if he's into this or whatever, and then ends up going for it. Um, and then the next day is at work, and like, like again, he's he's so un Tim Bayless now. He's just like he doesn't know what to do, and he's worried, and he didn't. He wishes he didn't do that, but he did. Now, what does he? How does he make this right? And by the way, doesn't everyone in the squad room know? Yeah. How do they know? Who told? I don't know. I guess, right? yeah. Think about it. They all know. Yeah. Everyone. Okay. The only one that doesn't know is Lewis. Right. Yeah. Who should know. So did he, he told, does he tell Bolander first and Bolander tells Maybe. Or I'm sorry, I'm, uh, he tells Bo, I Bo. think. I don't know. First. But it, yeah, that was really funny. There was a scene where he's in the break room and he, yeah, because this is what happens is Bo tells him, you have to tell Lewis. Right. And he says, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go tell right, him. Right, right. So then when he finally sits down with them, by this point, I guess Bo has told everyone. Told everyone. But it's out there. And uh, he's sitting in the break room, and he's sitting face-to-face with Lewis. He's like, I have to tell you something. It's about Emma. And then immediately, Stanley comes in and is like, oh, I heard, you, you right. know, you hooked up they with They all the... spilled the guts. <laughs> yeah. But he asks the question, or he poses it as though, like, oh, I heard this happen. Did it? And then before he can get a response, just walks out of the room. Like <laughs> he is only asking that to reveal the information to Lewis. Um. Yeah, that's so weird. Um. He uh he tells Lewis, and Lewis gets upset with him, storms off. Did you? When I look back on it. Even Lewis says to Bo, when Bo's trying to coax him, 
pursue it further. Hey, it's over. He doesn't like me. It's done. So why is he upset? Because it's his friend? Why didn't he just say, I have no shot with her? I'm glad my friend did. Yeah. I, I, right. I don't get that part. I, I think you're, you're, yeah, you're hitting on something that makes total sense. Um, yeah, that it would be, he feels sort of like betrayed by, yeah. by his friend yeah. for pursuing it, even though he realizes he had right. nothing right. to gain. But it's yet. like, to me, it's like if you try to, I don't know, you know, hit the, hit the things to the, you know, the, the strong arm thing with the hammer. Yeah. And you don't make, you don't make the bell go off. And then I do it. Are you mad at me? No, yeah. you're like, I had my shot. You didn't make it. I did. I, I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, it's weird. A weird machismo <laughs> yeah. thing, maybe. Um, That's probably part of it, you know? Yeah, well, and even, like, that Tim has this feeling of, like, remorse yeah. about it. Like, he feels like he owes something to Lewis, which, I mean, are you? I mean, absolutely he does not. Yeah. But, um, but in this uh, whirlwind of emotions for these two, Tim decides it's best for him to call things off with Emma. Um, and I think Emma says, too, like, they just got caught up in each other and moved too fast. And she recognizes that as well. And she has a boyfriend. And she drops the bomb that she has a boyfriend, Andy, who is a cop, a county yeah. cop. Yeah. Um, so even like, yeah, even like a weirder sense of betrayal, he's now betrayed someone he doesn't know. Right. Uh, who, it, you know, they are also bound by this brotherhood of being on, uh, being police officers. What did what, you make of the scene where they go see the artwork by all the <laughs> criminals? Yeah, that was a little silly. I think, you know what it was, the detail that JMJ and, um, I, I forget her name, but the the previous, the white glove church killer, um, uh, that she had a couple of pieces yeah. in the show, I thought was, like, unbelievable. Yeah, that, like, that was, was like, unbelievable. That was, like, too weird. If it was just, like, one artist who was a killer or whatever, then I would get it. And she, like, just went to, yeah, it done somehow. Yeah. And, like, uh, but, but I feel like that is true to Tim's character, that this, like, sort of, like, hesitancy to explore his own understanding of the universe. Like, he is definitely intrigued by that stuff. He is reluctant to explore it. But then once he's there, he's fascinated by yeah, it. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know? Once he gets into that room, like, you can tell he's, like, moved by what he's seeing. Yeah, I would agree. And, I mean, her pitch for it is pretty interesting. Like, wouldn't you want to see in the mind of Adina Watson's character? Right. Once she said he became... Intrigued, hey, you know, Watson, that's interesting. Yeah, what'd you think of the art? It's pretty weird. Yeah, pretty weird stuff. people with big heads or small heads. That must be something where they, like, they just go to, like, a local high school and are like, we need to do the weirdest stuff. (laughs) We're going to put it on a TV show. I thought the same thing. I'm like, this art is weird. (laughs) So, um, all right, well, let's talk about Frank. uh, The Franks, or do is there anything left on the Tim Bayless... Emma Z- do you think are we ever going to see Emma Zool again? No, no. Maybe she might be fun to see her like pop up in like season six yeah. or something. Yeah. But I, I think this is a freak of the week for yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what sort of tensions maybe linger between Lewis and uh, 
and Tim. Tim, yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, let's talk about Frank's story here. Sure. Um, he is sort of, I guess, still like caught up in the hangover from this. Um, and maybe that's why this episode was played at this point in the season was because it's tying into a storyline that they couldn't put two episodes between. Good point. Could you forget about it? Yeah. Good um, point. So we'll, I mean, we definitely talk about this in the episodes uh, previous, but the way that the storyline in this episode, when it was aired on TV, they just say kind of casually that Corsetti has passed away in this episode, even though we haven't seen the episodes about his death yet. Right. So... Um, so maybe that's why is that they needed to keep it close with the three the that's three a good episode point, arc. Joe. I, I agree with you. Yeah, which seems silly because it's such a small part of this episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, but an interesting. Wouldn't have mattered. So Frank is he's being sued, uh, and I, I I just know her as JMJ. <laughs> that's not her. That's her one of her many <laughs> alter egos. It's good enough. But um, the white glove killer. Yeah, the white glove killer is suing. The city of Baltimore, Frank Pembleton, and Detective Russert. Yes. And there were all these details that I, I distinctly remember when they were brought up in this episode, which is him lighting the match. Yes. He was do, like, kind of like bringing her into... The, he says in the episode, like he was, he was leading her on. And, and he, he almost... Is he admitting to getting false... Uh, False testimony from people? He says that. Right, when he's in the box. No, he says that he's lied to people to get their uh, admissions, which, by the way, is okay to do. Yeah. Detectives and cops can lie to you. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, What a weird scene that was where he's in... G is talking to Frank in the box, and Frank is sitting in the perp's seat. Like he's not, and it's such a powerful place to put him. We've never seen him from that side of the table before. Um, but he says uh, that all right. So he's being sued because specifically, I guess it's the entire interrogation. But the point they keep going back to is lighting the match and holding it to his wrist so right. that she would do the same thing. Right. And uh, G says, all right, so Russert's in charge because she was the shift commander at the time. She was in behind the glass watching with G. And G told her to let it go. She wanted to stop it. She wanted to stop it. And so now they're in this whole mess. Now, from what I understand, none of this is, this is just about money. It's not about any of her... uh, how much time she's guilt or anything like that. No, no, you're right. So this is like totally separate right. from any ramification. Yeah. And um, she sued for a million dollars. Right. That seemed like a lot of money to you for that? At the time, yeah. Yeah. It'd it's go a for big more. number. It'd go for more today, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. But it's a long time ago. Sure. Um, and so they go to court and we see Russert on trial. We don't see Frank on trial, right? No. So just Russert testifies. And um, she, I, I mean, it's funny when, when that happens in the episode, 
I think you get so primed by what Frank is doing. And it is just so much fun to watch him be who he is in the box. Did you feel in the moment watching that that he was like crossing a line or doing something out of bounds? If you think about it, though, I was thinking about if I'm the judge sitting there and you did what? It does sound over the line. Yeah, to someone who is like functioning as a seven-year-old. Right, right. right. If you just think about this woman and and what your detective gets her to hold a lit cigarette or match to her arm and burn herself, I mean... You know, they say to Megan, well, Megan, the lawyer says, what if we would have punched her? Well, that would have been too far. Well, who decides that? Right. It was too far. Yeah, totally. <laughs> did you, but did you feel that in the episode no, when you were watching? No, I'm not. Right. Of course not. Very it's frank. Yeah, very clever for the show to do that, to now make me be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that thing that I was on board with when I watched it is kind of screwed up. Right. Um. And Frank still doesn't see it. Well, and and uh, Russert says when she's on the uh, uh, giving her testimony, in the moment, it seemed right. Like in, right. The, in the moment, it seemed fine. It seemed accessible, uh, acceptable. Um, yeah, that's so. I I think I mean, hey, great job! What a magic trick to play on us, where it's like, oh, now all of a sudden we're not cool with it, but totally were cool with it before. Um. So the uh, result of the case is that the judge wants to go to trial, but the city decides to bargain. Which is smart and yeah. settle. Yeah, they're going to settle. 200 grand. 200 grand instead of a, a million dollars. Right. But that sort of, I guess, implies guilt. Right. And Frank, someone. as we know, is very upset with that. Again, going back to the theme of disappointment and he goes through his usual pontifications about he's he says you do what you do to have to get to the truth and he can't he just can't see it yeah he can't see it so who's like what is the gray area here right because like we i think of frank as this character that is like kind of like torn between dark and light you know, and like kind of bleeding in between the both of those worlds pretty well. But I don't feel like he is like a gray area. Well, wishy-washy, could go this way, could go that. Is the law the gray area now? Where it's like he was pursuing the truth and in the pursuit of truth did something that now they're kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer. No. I don't know, I thought that was an, in, an interesting thing to see from him. So from his mind, uh, and what we know from this character, is that the $200,000 or a million dollars, there's no difference. Right. What really is at stake is his integrity. Right. And being right. Yep. Uh, being righteous. So. So, yeah, throw him in the disappointed pile. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and uh, he lost. He lost, and we don't see him lose too much. You no. know, it's very strange that you see Frank Frank lose. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of how this informs the character and changes the character. Um, let's see. Are there any other storylines that you can think of 
So I have one other one that's pretty brief with Bo and Russer. Yeah, you can you can bring that up. Right. So th so this is a, another thing that felt I feel like in the last you know two seasons maybe season two season three you're seeing this real emergence of like a three story A B C plot intertwined that's set up and resolved within the course of an episode. This is now addressing another storyline, plotline, that's from the first three episodes, which is the Russer and Bo affair. Right. And um, does he talk about his family in the first half of the episode even? Isn't something mentioned by someone on how's it going? And very briefly he says, not good. There's definitely a comment by somebody. Yeah. It's like a throwaway line. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does bro I think he broaches the subject early on. Yes. And then just like in the middle of nowhere, so we have Munch mm -hmm. chasing this kid with the gun. He's gotta go to this alcohol meeting. Uh um Bayless is having sex in a <laughs> coffin. And then in the sea of all this, they just throw in this brief interchange with Russert and Bo. Right. Where they're just kind of like checking in on each other, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Like, how's it going? How are yeah. things? And he says, when I asked for the the salt, I thought she was going to rip my head off. Right. And um, it feels kind of weird because, like, that was such an important storyline for those three episodes. And then, you know, now we're on to other things right. to revisit that. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, in the montage that kind of, like, shows all of our characters in their darkest moments, uh, he goes home to an empty house. Yep, yeah, she's cleaned him out. Yeah, and goodbye written with lipstick on the yep. on the mirror. Um, I didn't see that coming. No. That was kind of a surprise. And just those two scenes, maybe a line earlier on it, but that's about it. Yeah, that was a little surprising. Yeah, I like I wonder... Um, it feels like this um, almost like manic relationship that he's in with his wife, where it seems like it's really they really are into each other one day and then they totally yeah, hate each yeah. other and there's no like middle ground in between yeah yeah, yeah. um I, like i wonder how much of that was convenience for telling the story you know because like I, like does it seem believable that after he had been away from her for months or whatever yeah it, to me i think they wanted to shut down the storyline yeah and they didn't think put a lot of effort into it. Right. So, my do, opinion. so you think this is the end of Bo's oh, wife? Oh, yeah. This I don't is think it. you'll ever see her again. Mm. Okay. Well, then, yeah, that would... Huh. But, I mean, why wouldn't they just... <laughs> well, I mean, I guess they can't play where Bo and Russert become an item. Right? If they give us that for the whole season, then it's not fun to watch, I guess. Right. Yeah. You gotta watch these characters struggle. Um... Was there anything else? No. It, you know, I'm trying to think how I feel about the episode. It was a good episode. Yeah. Um, it, it harkened back more to what I think Homicide's all about. But it wasn't a great episode. Yeah. But it was, it was good, yeah. as always. Yeah, I think this is... Like I was saying, there, there were parts of this that felt like leftover bits from other episodes and storylines uh, that were, like the, I mean, uh, this level of um, 
involvement of Munch in this episode, right? There are two Munch storylines that play through this that are separate from one another. The alcohol thing and then the thing with the gun, in the gun. And those two feel like they should be in their own separate episode. You know, that like, it's too much involvement with him. He's doing a silly thing, which is the restaurant. And then he's having this real emotional moment at the same time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just felt, that felt a little odd to me. Yeah, and why, why focus two stories on one detective? Right, right. And Put Bolander in something. And Frank's storyline on this, I mean, this, like, this must be uh, something about editing or writing or what, who they could get. Because, like, Frank is in talking about a storyline that, you know, for all purposes should be resolved by now. And that's it. Like, yeah. he doesn't do anything. No, no. In this. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there, there's something. There's, I, I like the episode. I think it's great. I think the storylines are are weird. I think they're fun. Um, you know, their their sense of humor is evolving a little bit, but I'm still here for it. You know, but um, yeah, yeah, weird episode. So who do you think was the hero and who was the <laughs> dud? I mean, I guess the dud is Lewis. Right? Lewis got his heart broken. Yeah. I don't think anyone has anything worse than that. Yeah. I mean, even with... I mean, you could say that Frank is a loser because, you know, his integrity is questioned. But um, at the end of the day, he it seems like he is on course to be $800,000 more of a loser right. if this thing goes to trial. Oh, yeah. He would have lost. Yeah. So he's getting off pretty easy. Yeah, I think Lewis is probably <laughs> the big loser here. And how about the winner? <laughs> that's really tough I mean so this episode ends with the Nine Inch Nails Hurt which is like probably one of my favorite songs ever I had no idea it was in a homicide episode um, even after all like the weirdness of this episode that seemed like such a strange beat too where it got like real somber and emotional at the end Bo getting finding out that his everything is out of his house um Munch sitting on that bench is like kids play and he's got a basketball and he's thinking about quitting and stuff. Yeah. And again, very just a very I'm disappointed in King's episode. Yeah. Um, I I guess G. G's my winner. Oh yeah? Or maybe K. <laughs> maybe K. What did K K did alright, right? Yeah. I mean, to me there was no clear Winner, if you will. Yeah. And I can agree with you about the people that came off poorly, but there was no clear, wow, this person came across a lot better after the show was over. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real minor chord end of this episode. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. Is it. Was there anything else no. that stood out to you? So, Joe, people want to contact us. What do they do? Uh, they can reach out to us on Twitter, of course, at Red to Black Pod, or email us at from Red to Black uh, at gmail.com. And again, go on um, iTunes, rate us, subscribe, email us. We will get back to you. Yeah, we love the emails. Keep them coming. Um, 
And uh, this is another episode that we can turn. Season 3, Episode 4, A Model Citizen. From red to black. How are we going? <laughs>